Welcome to Sky Women. I'm your host, Dr. Carolyn Moyers, a wife, mom, and board-certified OB-GYN. This is a place to educate, empower, and inspire. Join us each week as we share the power of women's stories. Real women, real stories, real inspiration. Put on your stretchy pants. Let's get going. Welcome to another episode of Sky Women. It is Wednesday and I'm happy to be in your ears. Thank you for listening today. We have a tremendous guest with us, Dr. Alexandra Stockwell, who for over 20 years has been showing men and women how to bring pleasure and purpose into all aspects of life. She is known as the intimacy doctor, and you may have seen her in Huffington Post or Rolling Stone or USA Today or on Fox News, as she has been spreading this message and helping couples to go from the daily grind of running a household to intimate communication and ecstatic experiences in the bedroom. She is also the best-selling author of Uncompromising Intimacy. Welcome, Dr. Stockwell. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. I really love what this podcast is all about because these are conversations that they matter so much, but it's hard to find someone having them. Absolutely. And I believe I heard you, I've heard you actually on several other podcasts. I know that you speak a lot and you are an evangelist for (laughs) sexual wellness and uncompromising intimacy. And so I love that. And I love that you were so willing to come and join us and to have these conversations because we do need to have open conversations about sex and intimacy, especially in female sexual wellness. I feel like it's been ignored for so long or women have been kind of put to the side when it comes to sexual pleasure. And so I think it's really important for us to talk about and give women permission to not compromise in the bedroom. Absolutely. And let me just say that I arrived in adulthood not having talked with my own mother about sex until I'd had two children and being incredibly private. My husband, if he said anything besides the fact that we were married, I would feel like that is not their business. They should not be knowing that. This just belongs to overshared. He had overshared your intimate. Overshared if he said anything like we had a great weekend or something totally benign. But I have come 180 degrees from that position because the more that I've dived into the topics we're going to be talking about, the more clear I am that we are mammals. And yes, especially as doctors, we have developed our frontal cortexes. There are all kinds of things that educated people learn, not through imitation, but when it comes to relationships and the majority of how we are every day, it's something that we learn from imitation from our parents, from other family members, from celebrities, movies, and so forth. And while we're not committed to imitating them precisely that is our exposure that informs us and for the most part what we have in the way of role models really doesn't serve our joy our wellness our vibrancy our humanity our passion and so i want to be a voice that talks pretty openly about things in order to give people other ideas because I'm coming up on my 26th wedding anniversary. Like you, I have four children. I'm overweight and I have extraordinary sex. And I want people to know that that happens. And I didn't always. That's the other thing I feel like I should add is that having a fantastic relationship down to being touched and having sensations 
of the kind you desire, that is all a learnable skill. And the real problem is a lack of education. And so I'm here to educate, you're here to educate. None of us are committed to misery in the bedroom or in the kind of aloneness that one can feel in a relationship, even when you're living in the same house for 20, 30, 40 years. Right. And I think that that goes on a lot. I think, I mean, I have had patients who tell me they they come in for a decreased sexual desire. Young mom, two kids, doesn't know where her clitoris is. It's a lack of knowledge. It's not her fault. We have failed her. Yeah. We know that there are people, women listening who are like, that's me. Right. I just want you to know that was me too. In fact, the first time that I had an orgasm, I only found out because my boyfriend two days later showed me a poem he'd written where he wrote about the orgasm spasm. And I was like, oh, that's what happened the other night. That's how I found out because I named it. And there's no, there shouldn't be any shame in the lack of knowing. Right. It just should be invitations to more reliable education. And even if you look at a diagram, it isn't that easy for most women to find their clitoris, except by realizing, oh, this spot feels different to me mm-hmm. than when I touch with the same mm-hmm. pressure and attention a little bit half an inch to the left or half an inch to the right. Oh, but right there in the middle, I can feel something different. So for people with male, for women with male partners, they don't have that feedback loop that as a woman, when you're touching yourself, you have to notice, oh, it feels a little different there. It can Mm -hmm. feel a lot different or a little different, but Mm -hmm. you, you get the internal sensory feedback Men don't get that internal sensory feedback. And so if a man hasn't taken upon himself to figure this out and he hasn't had a woman show him, we are just not helping anyone expecting the men to know. It is our job as women to know and to educate. Yeah. To know our body. Yes. And to educate. I had a patient who came in last week with this, some specific concerns in regards to intimacy mm-hmm. and, you know, did an exam, reassured her that her vulva are normal and said, you know, talked about sexual pleasure and the clitoris, got out my vulva puppet and my clitoris. <laughs> yeah. You print it clitoris, right? To say, this is what it actually looks like. And there's a lot more to it than meets the eye. And kind of discuss that. And I said, look, I'll do a mom minute on it. And then you can show your husband. (laughs) Because you're right. We have to know and then share it with our partners. And I feel that hesitation when sometimes patients aren't comfortable talking with their partners about sex. Or, you know, we don't really talk about it. We just do it, right? So how would you walk a couple through that or an individual who's come to you through developing those that intimate communication? I really love this question because it can feel very theoretical. It can feel very like a matter of principle. And it's also so practical. And let's just first be really clear 
the majority of couples are more comfortable having sex than talking about it. That's a truth. So let me share how to go about doing this. The first thing is that if this isn't a frequent, not, not, not in terms of frequent, but in terms of comfort, if this is not a comfortable, easy, uncomplicated conversation to have, I highly recommend that you have your first and your first couple conversations about it far away from sex in terms of time. So the time to have your first conversation about sex is not when you're both naked and it's not where you want it. <laughs> yeah. right, exactly. And also not just afterwards. So that's the first thing because the time when it's really relevant is when you're having sex, but don't do that. Like you want to both be set up for as much success, comfort, awareness of being adults with choice as possible and being naked together in bed or partway naked or like any of the juice starting to flow in one of you, that is not the time. It is likely not to go well if it's your first conversation. So it can go very well if you're sitting together on the couch, you're not just having had sex, not about to. Okay, so now you're in the conversation. And the way that I recommend you start, I'm going to talk to women. And for this moment, presume your partner's a man, but this certainly works the same with any gender arrangement. So the first thing to say is, and make it true, not laced. Actually, the first thing to do before the conversation is to get rid of your resentment. Because if what you really want to do is complain, then that is not going to get you what you want. So maybe you need to journal, maybe you need to work out intensely, maybe you need to take a long bath and really relax. Like whatever works for you so that you're in a calm, peaceful, open-minded, generous state, mm -hmm. that is worth, it's worth postponing the conversation if you're not going to be in that kind of a state. This is not something to like squeeze in before you fall asleep, after the baby's asleep, when the next one might wake up. That's <laughs> story of my life. <laughs> right. You need some peace. So that's the first thing is to like set yourself up to be able yeah. to have the only stressful thing be the content and not the environmental circumstances or the mm -hmm. timing. So you're saying take care of how you're going to show up in the conversation. I am absolutely saying mm -hmm. that because how you show up in that conversation is going to strongly influence the results and consequences of that conversation. If it's something that you end up shying away from for a long time and it creates residue that isn't helpful, or if you set yourself up well, this is something that can really open up a whole new area of explorations. But that really is the first thing, that you pick a good time and you do it when you're genuinely available <laughs> to be kind and open and clear. Right. So when all of that is set up, then the next thing is to begin by saying something wonderful about 
your man, about your person, about your relationship. So I'm, I'm going to just generate an example. In fact, let me role play this and pretend that you and I are sexual partners and that I haven't been satisfied. Okay. Are you up for role playing it? That okay. <laughs> sure. So I'm going to say, Carolyn, I love, I love being married to you. I love our life together. I never would have thought we would end up in this house. It's just so perfect. Or I'm going to pick something, something that I know we both enjoy. You know, it's so amazing that we've been able to concentrate and pay off our cars and our student loans. Or I love the way you cook dinner so often. Like, Whatever it is, it has to be something that you appreciate about this person. And maybe it's something you said before, but probably you haven't because we're talking about going deeper and being more open than usual. So the point is, I just, I love you and I love our relationship, but I want to emphasize that being more specific creates more connection and intimacy. So if this were really happening between you and me, I wouldn't just say, I love you and I love our relationship. That's way- Right, we need some concrete details. Like what are you appreciating about your partner? Yeah, I love the way you listen when I tell you about my day. It is so helpful. I look forward to being with you and I'm really happy we have this time to have a conversation. Something along those lines. hmm And depending on the relationship and the people involved in what you say, maybe then the next thing is for me to be quiet and for you to say something. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I continue. And for our role play, I'll just continue. Okay. And then say something like, I feel like so many areas of our life are really, they're good. They're the way we want them to be. Yeah, I know sometimes we don't get the kids out of the house quickly enough and this and that, but like, basically we're living the life we've chosen, but there's one area that I feel like if we put more attention on it, it could be as great as these other things that I've just said. Are you up for having that conversation? Okay. I'm in. Okay. So I want to emphasize You want to set it up and talk about what's good with one another. Mm -hmm. And then you want to transition to making, saying another area could be improved and get opt-in. This is a conversation that you don't just bulldoze into. You want to say, I want to talk about one area, which I'd love to be as good as the rest of the things we've just talked about. Are you up for having a conversation? It might be kind of, awkward, but I'm just bringing it up because I think we could both enjoy more of our relationship together if we have this conversation. Mm -hmm. And then when there's love, it may be awkward, but the answer is likely to be yes if you've made it a question. And if the answer is no, you want to accept that and say, okay, well, when would be a good time? Because maybe it isn't the right time. Or let me know when you're ready. For example, mm-hmm. yes. But honestly, when it's set up this way, I don't hear about the response being, no, I'm not available. Okay. Because it's a positive conversation. And then transitioning into it, I would 
essentially use the same principles I've just described and say, I want to talk about our sex. Although if you've never had a conversation, that might be hard to say. So maybe I want to talk about how we are together in the bedroom. Like be as indirect or direct as suits your relationship. Right. And then once again, I recommend that you start by referring to a positive experience. Like remember when we were on vacation in Puerto Rico, that was such a fun time together. So when you plan for this conversation, think of a sexual experience that you've had together that you really did enjoy. Maybe it was before kids, like who knows Mm -hmm. what it was. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't had one, which is certainly also the case for some, then think of some touch that you enjoyed. Like I really love when we used to watch Seinfeld and I'd have my head on your shoulder and you'd have your arm around me. Like I really loved how our bodies felt together then. In other words, you don't have to think of some like hot erotic memory (laughs) if you don't have one. But if you do, by all means, refer to it. Right. And ask him like, what are some of your favorite times? And the purpose with all of this is not to take so long to get to the point. If you're listening, you might think that's true. It's (laughs) not. It's so that everyone feels safe and appreciated and loved and honored. And it's in that context that you then go on to say, I wish we had more foreplay or, you know, I've been listening to this awesome podcast with Dr. Myers and she talks about the clitoris and I know I'm a woman. I probably should have figured this out before, but I've discovered it and I want you to discover it too. (laughs) Right, right. There are a lot of ways that this can be a positive conversation. As soon as you get into giving a report card on your lover's inadequacies, you are in a teacher-student parent-child dynamic and that will kill erotic energy right off the bat. Totally. It will. I'm just thinking of all the ways. Your lover. Right. I'm thinking of all the ways that this could go wrong. <laughs> but I think that you're right by setting it up by creating a safe zone, by setting it up for success, by, you know, coming to the conversation relaxed and and comfortable with whatever the response is, right? And not having necessarily an end goal in mind. The end goal is to improve your intimacy. And it's not like it's a one and done conversation, right? We're hoping that we're just, we're opening the door and allowing for these- Conversation with children too. I'm guessing my children are older than yours. My oldest is 25, my youngest is 10. And people have the totally wrong idea when they talk about the sex talk with kids. Ah. No, you want the sex conversations. You want to be able to answer questions as they arise. And likewise with your partner. And in fact, I suggest that you even say. Like my purpose is not to have one conversation that changes our sex life. My purpose is to have a conversation so that this is something that we can dialogue about because I don't really know your experience and you don't really know mine, which is the truth. 
Right. Even though you're together having the action, <laughs> you're having sex. <laughs> but two different bodies, two, two different, different experiences. experiences. Yeah. Yeah. And especially if you've been faking anything, that's really the worst thing you can do for yourself. Because if you are faking orgasm, then yeah. you're training your lover to do the thing again, which you didn't actually enjoy. Yeah. So it's very efficient to finish sex and be done, but it is long-term terrible consequence if you're faking things with the partner that you have sex with on a regular basis. But well, I think to that point about yeah. faking it, I feel like that you're completely doing yourself a disservice. Let me just say faking it seems efficient, but you like right, faking it may seem efficient. However, you aren't enjoying sex therefore you don't want to have sex and you wonder why your sex drive is low right and i feel like that if we don't truly allow ourselves the space to enjoy sex and to learn for ourselves what feels good and to allow our partner to give us pleasure to create that orgasm then it's this vicious cycle of well it doesn't feel good but he thinks it feels good because i faked it right and it but i don't really want to have sex because it doesn't really feel good and he doesn't understand why i don't want to have sex right and you just get into this and i hear it all the time where women aren't happy with their sex life when you really delve into it they're not enjoying it therefore they don't want to have it exactly in a conversation like the one you and i were role-playing moments ago it's very easy for a woman to believe and speak as though the reason the sex isn't satisfying is because he's not doing the right things and when we're talking in the context of a long-term committed relationship, which I've been assuming that's what we're talking about here, if it's, you know, the mom with two kids or whatever, then you want to be clear in yourself as well as in your communication with your partner and say, this is on both of us especially right. in the context where you've never had a conversation before. Like it's on both of us that we've never had this conversation before. And yes, I want you to do things differently, but I'm clear that I never actually communicated that before. So I never set you up for success for you. And I didn't set you up for success for me. Well, and don't you think that a lot of times women may not have given themselves permission to really understand what it is that they truly enjoy in a sexual encounter? And so they may just have an awakening towards this, right? And want to now have these conversations. And so, yeah, I think owning it yourself is really important because I have noticed about men, particularly that they tend to be black and white right? And you don't need to hurt their ego, right? You just need to tell them what it is you need. And they're very willing to participate, typically, if you yes. give them the tools to be successful. Absolutely true. I'm not totally sure what you mean about them being black and white. Will you explain that? If I'm vague or I expect my husband to read my mind, it generally oh, oh, does not yes, work yes, out. Yes. But if I just tell him, I need X, Y, Z, would you please unload the dishwasher or would you please clean the toilets when you get home? <laughs> like, it's done. No questions. <laughs> okay, yes, I completely agree. And the reason that I hesitated on that is that I think 
it's pretty much impossible for the majority of women to appreciate how much of a man's identity is wrapped up in his ability to pleasure his woman. So this is complicated. Like it is very easy to destroy a man's ego, even when he seems to really be totally intact with his ego and his sexual desire. Any man who, you know, putting aside toxic narcissists and, you know, other important exceptions, any devoted husband, he really wants to pleasure his women. And what I see often actually in couples where it's the woman who wants more sex and the man is not available for it and hasn't initiated in ages and often says no, that the woman can think in that situation, oh, he no longer finds me attractive. I'm not aging well. You know, whatever the situation is that we tell ourselves, right? I'll blame for it. Right. When more often than not, the issue is that he doesn't know how to really give her extraordinary pleasure. And that is so devastating and debilitating that he would rather not be in the experience of feeling inadequate and instead mm. just shuts down. So, I know that we're talking to women, but for someone who's in a relationship with a man, it would be wrong to think he's just like cock happy and ready to go. You just got to tell him what to do. No, men have feelings too. Sure. And thank you for bringing that point. So we talk a lot about the pleasure gap uh, when we're talking about a heterosexual relationship that only 33% of women actually have an or reach an orgasm every time. And there's 75% of men. And that gap is smaller between homosexual relationships. So what are your thoughts? Okay. My thoughts on this is that far and away in society, men in general and most women in general do not understand female sexuality. Our reference point is Masters and Johnson, which it's that graph. We're all familiar with it where there's essentially foreplay to the point of an erection uh, 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 and then ejaculation and then the refractory period where there's no more erection and we think that that's how orgasm happens and that is how orgasm can happen and it is how orgasm happens more often in a male body but that is not actually how women orgasm. It's much more like circles, like instead of the curve of, I don't know how to say this because we're audio, but what that Masters and Johnson curve looks like, which is basically like going from zero pretty steady up to 100 and then a severe drop. Whereas female orgasm, it goes up, it goes down, it goes round, it can be very nuanced and rumbling and then suddenly explosive it can just be more and more and like it can be like going up and then summiting and going up and summiting and going up and summit like what and then after orgasm yeah it can drop like ejaculation and then the refractory period or it can slowly wind down and so 
the main thing that is necessary for female orgasm is attention and a response to the actual sensations, not the idea of what should happen. Right. And Orgasm happens in the moment. We have to be present. It happens in the moment. And so we need to relax. Uh-huh. We, it's really, it requires mindfulness, like erotic uh-huh. mindfulness. Uh-huh. And so I think that gap results from men and women looking for women to orgasm the way men do. And right. When you talk about the attention thing, though, I feel like as a mom, particularly we're saving sex for the end of the day and mom's thinking about carpool and this and that and dishes and laundry and, you know, all of these other things that are going on, or maybe it's work-related, you know, you've got this list going on of 15 items that needs to be taken care of. And it's hard to just be present in the moment. And that's where it happens. Yeah. So I want to speak to that, but before I do, I just want to say that with homosexual couples, they both have bodies that are a lot more similar and so they understand the mechanics more and i think that accounts for the and i think that accounts for the orgasm gap as well now with what you're talking about at the point at which sex is something on your to-do list right (laughs) right and so what i recommend in that situation because we're Let's not pretend it's not easy to stop that mind like you're talking about with all the things that need to be ha- need to uh-huh. happen. But the key there is not to think about orgasm. The key is to think about pleasure and experiencing sensations. So in a situation like you just described, it's the end of the day, like I'm thinking about all these things and I have to take care of this tomorrow and this right. didn't quite happen and blah, 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 right. blah, and I'm exhausted. That is not the time to be like, okay, let's have sex. That is the time <laughs> to, well, maybe first you just take a bath without taking your phone in. But if you're going to do it with your partner, it's the time to just be clothed and start with an embrace and some romantic kissing where your goal is to actually feel the pleasure, feel the sensation, feel the flirtation, feel the sexiness. Mm -hmm. Because when you can just shift into that, Mm-hmm. Then going ahead and having a full-blown sexual right. experience becomes possible, but I wouldn't require it. I would just go with enjoying the sensations. And if you both feel like more, that's fine. Well, she described sound like a dating encounter, right? Where you, you <laughs> approach each other and you embrace and you kiss and then you make out. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Next thing you know, you're in the mood. <laughs> the thing is, in my fam- like in my marriage, uh-huh. it doesn't feel like dating because if I'm in the state that you were talking about, my husband and I both know he's a generous man and I appreciate it. Typically, I will lie down in bed, which is why I don't think of it quite like a dating thing. And he will start massaging me. And I'm not talking about some like erotic massage. I'm talking about basic massage bringing me into my body right and once I'm in my body and I'm grateful that he will help me with that I mean 
guess I sort of believe it's my job, but my job has become to ask him to do it. Yeah. And then, <laughs> does it, and then I'm ready. Like it's the like frenetic mind and all the tasks is a way of not being in our bodies. And so it really doesn't matter how we get into our bodies and being present in the moment, noticing, oh, my breath is slower and this is where I want to touch him or this is how and when Mm -hmm. I want to be touched. That if you're not able to experience your desire, then probably having sex is not going to be full of pleasure. Right. So you have unpacked a lot of excellent information for us just in how to have more intimate conversations. And I'm sure people are going to want to look you up. I've already looked up your book. You can order it on Amazon, friends. You can get it on Audible. (laughs) It's called Uncompromising Intimacy by Dr. Alexandra. And you also have a podcast, the Intimate Marriage Podcast. Yes. So lots of resources where they can find you, learn more information, anything else, any other places they can find you? Are you doing any uh, couples coaching or? Yes. So I'm on Instagram, alexandra.stockwell.intimacy. And yes, I have lots of programs. I have one that's $17 called The Secret to Having a Fantastic Relationship on up into the thousands and private coaching. I just take a few clients, but if you're interested in working with me, I am glad to speak with you and completely teach you how to totally transform your relationship because I'm interested in giving people tools that they will use for the rest of their lives. Like I've just heard from too many couples. Yeah, we did couples therapy and it helped for a little while. There's absolutely nothing that I do that I want to help for a little while. I want it to be lifelong tools. And in fact, I really care about children. And the very best thing that I can do for children is teach their parents how to have fantastic relationships because (laughs) once that's their exposure, the rest of life benefits tremendously. Oh, I would agree wholeheartedly, right? To see your parents love. I mean that, okay. So my, I'm on my second marriage. And my husband always said the best thing that I can do for your son, he doesn't need me to be his father. He has a father, right? But the best thing that I can do for your son to set an example is to love you well. What a wise, wonderful man. It's so true. And so often, especially when there are kids to raise and mortgages to pay, it's very easy to think, well, I need to take care of these other things and put sexuality, intimacy, the quality of the relationship Mm -hmm. on the back burner because it'll be there later. Mm -hmm. You do not want to be addressing these issues when you're an empty nester. I mean, if you haven't yet, by all means, start now. (laughs) But it is not a good strategic move when you have elementary school age children to like wait until they're out of the house, you do this for them. And in my own experience, when I shifted and really found the key to what I call discrete eroticism, like I'm not interested in just having the 
romantic connection with my husband be in the bedroom at particular times. Like I want to have that energy all the time. Right. Whether you're cooking in the kitchen together or you, you know, break out and dance together. Yeah. All of that. And And so I love the term discreet eroticism where no one else needs to know what's happening, but we're, we're feeling it. And when he and I are feeling just romantic together, even though it's the six of us at the dinner table, the children are calmer. That's what I've noticed Mm -hmm. that like everyone, not just over the long run when they are adult and have their own relationships, but even in current time, they benefit when we're really enjoying one another. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I know like when we have our dance parties, my kids love to have dance parties uh-huh. and they adore it whenever they see mommy and daddy dancing or mommy, and daddy hugging or kissing, you know, they, you see these big smiles on their face. They're just so happy. <laughs> yeah. My parents are divorced. My husband's parents are divorced. It's part of what motivated me to really understand what it actually takes to have a great relationship. I was Mm -hmm. highly motivated to figure that out. And so I just love that my youngest, when he was eight years old at the skate park, some kid who must have only seen him either with me or with my husband because of how we divide the work and childcare duties. Anyway, this kid said to my son, are your parents divorced? And my son just looked at him and laughed and said, totally the opposite. <laughs> and I cute. was like, what a victory. What yeah, a victory. Yeah. So cute. <laughs> totally the opposite. Well, Sky community, I just want us to go follow Dr. Stockwell, give her some love, look into her book and find how we can be totally the opposite of divorce with our partners. <laughs> Until until next week, be well. All right, Sky community. Thank you for listening to another episode. This episode was sponsored by Sky Women's Health. As a reminder, we're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and we help relieve back pain and pelvic pain in pregnancy and beyond. If you are pregnant and having pain and you feel like you have no reliable way to relieve it, look us up at skywomenshealth.com request an appointment and we'll call to get you scheduled. As a board certified OB-GYN with a neuromusculoskeletal medicine fellowship, I help you realign with hands-on drug-free treatment and relieve pain on the spot without medication. We'll help you maintain these results through your pregnancy and postpartum period. Every pregnant person deserves this and we are so excited to serve you. You can find us on our website as mentioned or on social at Sky Women's Health or you can call the office at 817-915-9803. That's it for today. Until next week, be well.